What's up, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, presented by Finman Brewery. As always, I'm Brendan. And I'm Taylor. And Taylor, the Sabres gave up a pair of losses to the Penguins this weekend as they fell 4-3 to in overtime on Friday night, followed by a 3-1 to loss on Saturday. Casey Middlestad showed flashes on Friday night as he put up three points in the losing effort, which led to a promotion to the top line after Jeff Skinner was suspended for three games for a cross-check on Jake Gensel. It went exactly according to how Middlestad's season has gone as a whole, as he did not look flattering in the increased opportunity and felt more of the same of Granado giving him opportunities during a game that he really didn't belong in. In. in Saturday's game, the Sabres played a very stale first 20 minutes, but followed it up with a solid next 40. However, it was not enough to overcome Crosby and the Penguins as the Sabres now sit at 12, 14, and 2, seven points back from the Rangers for the final wild card spot in the East. Taylor, your thoughts from the weekend? Well, I guess we should start with the Friday game. And I agree with you. I think they actually did look pretty good in the second and third period there. Obviously, the late tying goal by Oposo, very good. And and honestly, a decent uh, effort out of the goaltending. The <laughs> We have to talk about this, obviously, uh, although I don't, I don't like talking about officiating. Uh, not good. And I'm going to say that's all the way from the start of that game through Skinner's suspension, because it's not just officiating, it's how the NHL handles these things, with a complete lack of consistency. And you and I are both of the mind that they should be cracking down on dirty plays. Uh, Sometimes they're way too late on these things. And also, that your history should matter. What killed me, though, about that game is that game is so choppy. That game is chippy. You know, like, the game is... There was a lot going on. A lot of pushing and shoving, slashing, after-the-whistle-type nonsense. And what was going on with Skinner there? And while well, I'm blanking now, was it Raquel that he cross-checked in the face? Gensel. Gensel, that's right. Uh, Gensel, that should have been a penalty. Whistle before it gets to the, the point where Skinner cross-checks in the face. You should not be allowing that because you allow that all game. And then what do you get? You get one player losing their cool like Skinner uh, in a situation where he really, really should not have done that. That's the other thing. Skinner, very dumb play by him, especially considering the situation in the game. I like how he can be a chippy guy, but like, Come on, you got to know the situation better than that, man. And you get a five-minute major, you pretty much uh, handed uh, the the win to Pittsburgh in that one. But so then uh, I was kind of surprised to hear that there was going to be a hearing. I was like, all right, five-minute major, whatever. <clears throat> and then there's a hearing. And I'm like, oh, well, he's going to get suspended for a game. And that's whatever. That's fair enough. And then it's three games. That's too much. He doesn't have enough. There's no way you can look at his history and be like, oh, yeah, that's a three game suspension. Because the next time that moron, Tom Wilson, uh, skates, I don't know, 47 strides in a row and uh, does a flying elbow to the back of a head of someone and gets four games, I'm going to bring this up. Three games for Jeff Skinner for a cross check. As you should. Ridiculous. Yeah, guys who have that reputation and do far worse get far less of punishment. The NHL NHL has shown that over and over again. There is a complete and total lack of consistency when it comes to these rulings. Yeah, so then also I guess we should say uh, Saturday's game was also close. Again, not a bad – not a terrible effort goaltending-wise. I think it was the first goal I thought was a little soft, but three goals – Allowed total one, not till really the end of the game. I think that's the worst the Sabres offense has looked in a while. I don't know if you agree. It kind of looked like a pretty feeble attack. I, I don't would. think it's just because Jeff Skinner was gone. I think they they really did not look good. And this is a really disappointing weekend, taking a one out of a possible four points. I know the Penguins are good, no doubt. I think that seven game losing streak, whatever was going on there, is not indicative of who they are. 
they are going to be, you know, they'll probably host a play, uh, you know, have home ice advantage in a playoff series uh, come April. But you, if you want to be competitive and make this season interesting and make it a realistic possibility into into January or whatever that they can make the playoffs, you needed more there because now it's not like oh the playoffs are hundred percent done, even if they are a long shot. It's it's more like you need like some kind of win streak now. You can't just try to be consistent and be like 500 for a while and, and hope, you know, things go well late. No, like, no, you need now you need to do something to, you need to get back in the conversation because you're out of it at the moment, not permanently, but you're not in it. Let me ask you this, Taylor, what we've been hearing so much over the past two years really is sticking to the plan. Kevin Adams has his plan, his vision, the slow rebuild and sticking to it. Do you think that there is a realistic possibility right now that Kevin Adams and Jason Carmanos and Sam Ventura in the front office are having these conversations and saying, do we need to make a move to shore up goaltending, shore up the top four, because we actually think that this team can make some noise and really make a playoff run. Or do you think that it's more likely that they're going to maintain course? They're going to wait for Comrie to come back. I feel like people have been saying, oh, well, Comrie hasn't played behind the the full top four defense with Samuelson in there for too much, which is fair. But I still don't necessarily know if Comrie is going to be the answer with or without Samuelson in the lineup in terms of being a starting goalie that's going to get you to the playoffs or even just in playoff contention. That obviously remains to be seen, but do you think that what, what do you think is more likely? Do you think it's they're going to stay the course here or do you think that they are going to adapt the plan on the fly a little bit and say, well, here we are right now. We have this high end scoring offense that is on par with that of the best teams in the league. And it's not a fluke. Let's fill out the rest of the roster here in the season with what we have available to us or what we have available right now on the market and see if we can make some noise prior to taking some big swings this coming off season. What do you think is more likely? I think they're going to make at least one decent in-season trade, not just like Henestrosa at the deadline or uh, Olafson at the deadline or whatever. I think they're actually are going to try to make one. And I think they are having those conversations. I would be surprised if they weren't. I think they probably know at this point that, Playoffs are kind of a long shot being 12 and 14, and it's not easy getting a goalie in the middle of the season that we talked about before. And I, I imagine they probably had their eyes on next year, but there's no reason you can't get better this year too and, and make a move mid season. I don't know. Obviously we don't know what they're, uh, what kind of move they'd be looking at, but you already mentioned them. So I might as well bring it up. Something with middle stat, like, cause if you're not getting to the point soon where it's like, well, someone will take them cause we played them or whatever. If you're not there soon, then you just got to forget it and, and put them in the press box because it, it, at some point you can't keep being like, this is a guy with potential. This is a guy we took top 10. It's like, first of all, no, they didn't even take him top 10. It was a different administration. It was the first year of that administration. It's been forever. And it's this draft plus six year, which I, I, that sounds crazy coming out of my mouth because no one even ever says draft plus six. But the guy hasn't, you know, cemented himself as an NHL player at all yet. So he, I don't think you can really look at him for a pro, as a prospect for too much longer. He's 24 years old. 24, 23, whatever it is. At some point, especially because he's been in and out of the NHL since he was 19, you have to look at this guy and be realistic with yourself and say, like, is he a prospect? Should we give him Krebs more time? Uh, what happens if Brett Murray comes up? I don't, I don't know how much of a prospect Brett Murray is but like or do you look at it and go like hey we're trying to win and this guy's not playing well 
our pal Kevin N.T. Ryder uses the expression perfectly with Metal Stat, where he says, is the juice worth the squeeze? And that is exactly how I feel about the situation. It is not worth it to continue to give this guy ice time, give this guy minutes. I know I believe in the in the second half of the games, I think Middlestat and Krebs were switched on the power plays, which was good. Again, like a little bit of like in-game adapting from Granado there. But, and not to give Granado too much of a pat on the back for something that he should have been doing far earlier this season and far more often. But that's neither here nor there. It, it does. It comes back to the minutes that this guy is getting and and where they could be going otherwise. Again, like, do we really want Rasmus Asplund sitting in the press box? I know. I think we finally have learned uh, our, our lesson when it comes to Peyton Krebs too. But again, like Krebs is a guy that Middlestat was getting more quality minutes over and just in terms of like game breaking ability and overall talent, speed, creativity, I would rather have Krebs in those minutes than I would Middlestat. You know, what is Middlestat been okay on the faceoff dot? That's fine, but that should not be giving him a free pass for all of the other errors that he makes while he's out on the ice. I mean, it's again, we see games where it's like Friday where it feels like wow, this guy, you know, like if he could really put it together, then maybe we would have something here for like a really quality middle six scoring option. But the fact of the matter is, is that he is just so wildly inconsistent and the good is so few and far between, even though when it is good, it's really good that it's just not worth it at this point. And the best course of action is probably to find a team where you can do one of those kind of reclamation projects, so to speak. Yeah, absolutely. I, I, I just, it's kind of untenable to keep stringing him along like this. It's stringing everything along, everyone along. I, I don't, I don't know how much longer you can do this with middle stat. And uh, yeah. So besides that though, Olofsson still a possibility. Mm-hmm. He's kind of shut out of the top six. I mean, we'll see what happens. You know, Skinner will be back soon. Then you really have your top six set. Um, and he's probably your most valuable expendable piece that you have right now. Yeah. That's why we've been talking about trading him for so long. Right. Uh, because like we know that next year Savoy will probably be up and Coolidge could be too. And what if Rosen makes a jump? You know, eventually you're going to, you got a lot of guys uh, and a lot of the guys you have signed for a little while forward wise. And you probably might want to bring back Oposo because he could be the captain and whatever other trades they might be working on. Do we want to do like, that? Can we talk about that? I know it seems I actually like, have a thought on this. I think we do need to kind of start having this conversation because I think for everybody, it's been conventional wisdom a little bit about bringing him back on a cheaper deal. Of course, he's making, you know, 6 million right now in the last year of his deal. And we've all been thinking, well, we'll bring him back on a discount. It'll be great. He's great for the room, but Taylor, he, compared to last year, he's looking pretty shot. And I am starting to have questions about if it's time to maybe pass the torch. If next year is going to be this big step for this team, and we're talking about them further establishing their identity, and maybe they are taking a big swing to add somebody to the top six forward group. I really don't know if I want to bring a Pozo back compared to what we can maybe get elsewhere on the fourth line that would maybe give you a little bit more speed. Yeah. So you were correct, but I think we, it's, I don't want to jump the gun on this because so two years ago during the bubble season in the early part of the season, it looked like Oposo was beyond cooked to the point where we were like, wow, we got to, you got to buy this guy out in the off season. There's, there's no way you can, can bring him back and keep playing him. And then over the course of the season, he got healthier and he started to look a lot better. 
Could that be uh, something that happens again this year? Maybe he's not 100% healthy right now, and maybe he starts looking better. If not, he's looking awfully slow. And if that's the case, then you are right. If, if that's how he looks all season, then you really can't bring him back. Uh, I would say that there's at least a possibility that he turns it around and looks physically better. I I don't, you know, I want to kind of give him the benefit of the doubt on that, but that's a really wait and see. Yeah. I think with Opozo, it obviously comes down to the merits of his playing ability and what he's giving you on the ice. But let's be real here. We know this organization and we know that what a guy can do off the ice matters just as much as we've seen in the case of a guy like Craig Anderson, for example. But I think when it comes to Opozo, one of the things that also maybe is going to make it a little easier for them is the emergence of Darlene, not only as a player on this team, but also as a leader. And I think, I, I would like to think too. I mean, you're going to be probably looking at Gergensen's going out the door. Who knows? Maybe they do end up bringing him back. I don't know where, where his head is really at. If he's going to want to continue to be on this team or not, or if he's going to want to see what he can get in free agency. Again, he's also a guy that he has a year left on his deal. And he also kind of fits the bill for one of those trade deadline, fourth line depth moves that good teams make. And so we may not even have the opportunity to resign him if he's elsewhere and someone tries to retain him if they move him. But there's going to be, assuming you move on from Opozo as well, a void in the leadership group. And I think that the team feels comfortable handing the reins over to a guy like Darlene in the, because of how he has really stepped up as a leader, both on and off the ice for this team. And on top of that, too, you have a guy like Tage, who has worn an A during when people have been injured throughout this year. You have Tuck, who has shown leadership abilities. There's a good... I mean, Skinner, I think it was wearing an A with Carolina too before he had left. So you have a good core leadership group here still. Obviously, Opozo right now is at the centerpiece of that. But you have guys who are able to step in and supplement those other roles who would take on the A's, assuming that Darlene ascends up into the C. So I really am not worried about moving on from him in any sense. I think that it was good for them to give him the captaincy this year. You know, because this year, again, is is a little bit more of an extension of last year with hopefully a little bit more winning, whereas next year is, all right, we're taking the step. We are establishing our team identity. We are going to be this young, fun, energetic scoring team that's going to be able to outscore anybody on a given night. And I think handing over the reins to Darlene next year makes sense. Obviously, if Opozo ends up finding his game a little bit down the stretch and it seems like he's got his jump back, if it is due to injury or whatever you had uh, alluded to before, whatever the possibility may be, then, of course, you do have to consider it. But as it stands right now, I would feel very comfortable, very, very comfortable with them moving on from Opozo in the offseason. And who knows, maybe Opozo will even want to retire, too, at that point. You know, he gets to the end of this big contract and after everything he's been through in his career, is he going to want to continue to take, you know, two million dollar like a two million dollar deal here or there with his career earnings and his injury history who knows you know that's obviously completely speculative but it should be interesting to see so you're in the camp though too taylor that you think it would make sense for them to move on and then assuming they do that give the captaincy to darlene yeah that would make sense to me 100 percent. yeah yeah all right should we hear from a word from our sponsors now we should and we uh well we're gonna hear from DraftKings first uh you guys will recognize this one Oh, yes. Give it to me, please. <laughs> By the way, since since we're talking about DraftKings and all that, uh, can I mention real quick that the Chiefs may be in the process of blowing a 27-point lead? No. What's going on there? Please. 
They're up only 34-28. Russell Wilson's out of the game. Brett Rippon is a quarterback. So that's interesting. I mean, that's what they needed all along. <laughs> maybe they just needed Brett Rippon. Yeah. His, uh, was it his dad or his uncle that beat the Bills in the Super Bowl? I, think it was I his actually uncle. don't know. Uh, but the Chiefs, it looks like the Chiefs have the ball. So only two minutes left. So the Chiefs probably win, but not impressive. Three interceptions by Mahomes. You don't love to see it. The Broncos had the ball, but Rippon threw an interception. Don't love to see that. Do love to see Tom Brady yeah, losing by 20. Second and 10 right now, though. Interesting. At the Very interesting. Warren, oh, well, the yeah. The people, uh, the people will know by the time they're listening to this whether yeah. the Chiefs lost or not. Uh, and then the Dolphins could also lose by the time you're listening to this. Let's hope for that one. That would be amazing. Doubly big because it could move the Chargers into the seven seed, right? Is that how it would stand right now? Oh, that would be fantastic. Yeah, let's let's get these bozos, the Jets and Patriots, out of the playoffs. I mean, the Patriots Ooh. are out at the moment, so. I don't really know what happened tiebreaker-wise with the Patriots win on Monday night, but whatever. That's that's our goal for the rest of the year. Let's keep the Chargers in the playoffs. These AFC East bozos that are mucking it up, get out of here. I mean, the Dolphins will still make it, but at least the Dolphins are a good watch. Like, Jesus. The Jets. Mm. Good Lord. Horrible. They really are uh, a drought Bills team. And I love it. I love it so much. Fantastic stuff. Hockey fans. Light the lamp this winter with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. New customers can bet just $5 pregame money line on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. If that wasn't enough excitement, you can turn small bets into bigger payouts with same-game parlays. Combine multiple bets, like which team will win, how many goals will be scored, and more for your shot and even bigger payout. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet $5 on any NHL team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook with code THPN for the Hockey Podcast Network. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details and responsible gambling resources. All right, but that's just one of our wonderful sponsors. Tell them about our presenting sponsor, Taylor. Our, our presenting sponsor is Thin Man Brewery. You might know it. Two locations in Buffalo, conveniently located on Elmwood Avenue and uh, Chandler Street. Uh, so starting this past Friday, so three days ago, when you listen to this, we, there are uh, quite a few new beers available. So the first one is Barrels and Harmony. It's a blended barrel aged ale consisting of Elijah Craig bourbon barrel aged imperial stout. A barley wine aged in four rose bourbon barrels and a Baltic porter aged in Canadian maple syrup barrels blended together over coconut and vanilla coming in at 12.4% ABV. Next, we have Strictly for the Weather, a West Coast IPA, which is available only on draft with classic hop blend of Chinook, Centennial and Columbus hops coming at 7.4%. Next, we have Through the Haze, I Can See, American IPA, only available on draft Brewed with flaked oats and mosaic citra and cascade hops coming in at 5.8% in limited quantities. All right. And then, like we mentioned before, New Year's tickets are available. So there's an open bar, general admission, two DJs, there'll be some champagne, some limited release lagers and IPAs, and the kitchen will be going all night. I went to it last year. It's a great time. So take it under consideration. And if you are going to do it, you know, get tickets as soon as possible. And also our liaison uh, with Thin Man, Yvonne, uh, would like us to say that Tage Thompson for Heart is the official 
position of Thin Man Brewery. That's how you know that that's the bar you got to be going to. 100%. Bar with priorities, with morals and values. Yes, sir. All right. Well, that's it for our sponsor. So back to hockey. Um, I did want to mention, so it does feel like, it's felt like for a long time that Crosby has really owned the Sabres when we played. Like he's played mm-hmm. even better against us than he has against most teams, which he's done pretty well against most teams. I will say this though for him. It's really not just the Sabres this year. He is like really defying age this year. He's sixth in the NHL in points. Isn't he's 35 he years old. He's on pace for 50 goals, isn't he? Yep. Yep. He's Whew. 35 years old. Insane. It's, the, long, the longevity that he has <clears throat> been able to play at such a high level with, when you think about the injury history that he had early on in his career, it's pretty remarkable to see what he's been able to do. 100%. And I'm looking now uh, at points. He's passed Ovechkin in career points. So obviously they started at the same time. But Ovechkin has basically played two full extra seasons on Crosby because Ovechkin never gets hurt, and Crosby has had quite a few injuries. So, yeah. What a year he's having. I don't love that. And I would hope if the Sabres are really going to be competitive next year that he uh, starts to get old, show his age a little bit. That'd be nice. I, too, would like that. Yeah, so taken under consideration, Sydney. Uh, what else is going on in the hockey world? We got more Sabres games. Yeah, so we have a string of West Coast matchups coming up, starting off on Tuesday at home against the Kings, and then the Sabres fly out west to play Colorado on Thursday night in Colorado. In Arizona at their 150-capacity arena on Saturday and on Monday in Las Vegas. So, Taylor, a pretty nice little stretch of games coming up here, including matchups against two of the league's best in Colorado, who is very dinged up right now, and Vegas on Monday, who is continuing their strong run of play, led by, of course, Logan Thompson and Nett. So, looking at these next four games, what would we really qualify as successful? Are we thinking two and two, where you pick up the wins against the Kings and the Coyotes, and then maybe you can hopefully sneak one against Colorado, but not really expecting anything against Vegas. What, what are we going to classify these next four games as uh, four as points would be good. Four points. Yeah, I would say so. Getting four points here would be great. I, honestly, though, wouldn't it be funny now that I said that if they just had four overtime losses, <laughs> would it be that far fetched? No, not really. The way things are going, they love blowing leads. Uh, they lost in overtime on Friday. They're scoring at a higher clip than Colorado is right now. True. Actually, I no, no, no. Think about it. Is Colorado, as currently constituted, one of the best teams in the league? Well, McKinnon's out right now. I think Byram is still out for them. Who else? Rodriguez is out for them right now. Landeskog is out for them. Yeah, they're, they're pretty banged I mean. up. Yeah, I don't know if they are in this current form one of the best teams in the league. Now, every they have nine guys out of the, the lineup. Every single one of those guys is coming back this year. So they will be a force again in the playoffs. As well, actually, he's another one I'm thinking of that wasn't pl- that hasn't been playing. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It's just Miko Rantanen and a bunch of fellas. Yeah, and Kale McCarr, of course. Oh, Kale McCarr, too. Yeah, Kale McCarr's not hurt. Uh, but he was earlier this year, wasn't he? He missed time as well. Um, maybe a couple Could be games. Mistaken. I don't think it was anything extended, though. Um, so yeah, I maybe this isn't that bad of a stretch. The Knights are very good, uh, but part of that is because how good their goaltending weirdly has been. So I don't know. We'll see with that. Yeah, yeah, f- four points at least. Six points would be really nice. Five or six. Is this your favorite stretch of the year? 
You love West Coast hockey. I do like West Coast hockey a lot. I like when they're playing at home against West Coast teams, though. Don't get I'll me wrong. I'm a who doesn't love Sabres after dark? Don't we all, folks? But I also love not staying up until one in the morning on a Monday to watch the Sabres. That's a good point. Uh, however, you consider this. Oh, what if they win? makes it softens the blow a bit (laughs) (laughs) i would say yeah no i mean it's going to be a fun stretch and also let's you know not forget that these are some fun teams here coming up la you know they have a a pretty fine young group of players there in addition to obviously their their vets on the roster in the form of kopitar and dowdy but they also of course have guys like adrian kempe they have victor arvidson who's been playing on a tear for them as of late of course they have their young guys in the form of like Quentin Byfield and Trevor Moore, um, Sean Dursey on the back end, you know, and they, their goaltending, as we know, is a bit of a mess right now. But yeah, it should be interesting to see them match up against that team and, and, and see how they fare there. Obviously, it's good in the sense of them trying to get a win that Colorado is so banged up, but bad from an entertainment value. So hopefully, yeah, if they could sneak a point out of Colorado, that'd be great. And then Arizona, I mean, that's a game that you just should win flat out. Like, that needs to be a, a regulation win for sure here. Yeah, yeah. It's already bad enough that they lost to him. Well, uh, I, I think the point is, too, is that, yes, right now that it's, you know, the playoffs are obviously a long shot at this stage of the game at 12-14-2. and two, But by the end of the new year, you are going to have, what do we have here? Four, five, six, seven, eight games before the end of the new year. I mean... If you go six and two in those games, you're right back in it at the start of the new year. So it's not, even though it's not exactly likely, it's not completely out of the question that the Sabres still could be well in the conversation come January 1st, right? Yeah, this is this is the week that would determine that, basically. Well, right. Because you think. have after, after this run of games, you have Tampa Bay, which, of course, that's going to be a tough matchup regardless. But then after that, you have a back, you have back to back on Tuesday, Thursday, right before the new year against Columbus and Detroit. And then you close out the year on New Year's Eve in a a divisional matchup against Boston. So they could really gain some ground if they end up being able to get average goaltending, which has again been the case all year. I think that's going to be the story of these next couple of weeks and to see where the Sabres are in the new year. It's going to come down to how well upl can hold it together until Comrie is able to get back and then once Comrie gets back how he's able to put it together and if him playing behind you know this version of the defense with matias samuelson is really going to make all the difference for this team yeah i don't necessarily think so for what it's worth yeah i mean it's possible i i Comrie is still he played few enough games that I think it's still an open question whether he's good or not. That's fair. Or if he can just be like a 900 goalie. It's been pointed out by the way that the NHL save percentage right now is 904. That's the league wide save percentage. It has yep. dropped 10% in the past seven years. Yeah. Which of course means also that that's you know at the level that we should be judging the goalies as well. It should be relative to their peers, not just what we think conventional wisdom is, because scoring does continue to keep going up. Yes. Yep. Uh, and it's interesting, honestly. I was looking at scoring again this year. It's 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 the highest since I think ninety two, ninety three now. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, which is great. But I was surprised by this. Not not surprised. I guess it does make sense in hindsight. But I would have thought, uh, save percentage wise in the NHL, when do you think save percentage peaked? Twenty 
2014, 15 ish around there. Yeah, that range, basically 2014 to 16. What I was surprised by was it wasn't really that high in the late 90s, early 2000s, like pre-lockout NHL, but shots were so low and there was barely any power plays. So that was actually the, the lowest scoring year on record in the modern era is uh, 03, 04, which was directly before wow. the lockout. There's just like so few shots being taken. Like goaltending got better, obviously, from like the early 80s to – all the way through. I mean, it was just basically consistently getting better. Uh, but it, it just wild to me that, yeah, the, no one scored in the late 90s and early 2000s because no one took shots. It was just, yeah, I don't know. It was an ugly game that we were born into. A lot of grabbing the back of a guy's jersey, riding him to the ice. Gross. No thanks at all to both the Devils and Florida Panthers. Yeah, I was, I, was, I was about to say, it sounds like the New Jersey Devils brand of hockey. Yeah, old New Jersey Devils, not under Lindy. Yeah, not these, not gun, Lindy's baby. Devils. Yeah, no, it's interesting uh, that the the Devils like weirdly were a, a good scoring team the first time they won the cup, and then blah. After blah. that, very annoying. Uh, what else I gonna mention? Oh yeah, in two thousand in the Stanley Cup, there was a game where uh, they only had six shots. The Devils only had six shots, or the Stars did. Now I'm saying it, it has to be the Stars, right? Which is absurd, though, in a Stanley Cup final mm. game. Gross. Why didn't anyone watch the sport back then? I don't get it. I know. (laughs) Well, fun thing, Taylor. Did you know that the Sabres are ahead of the St. Louis Blues in the standings right now? So does that mean that the Sabres won in the trade? Yeah, I'd say so. Okay, fair. I think we could probably wrap up that conversation then for good. Yep, no doubt. Uh, Is is Jordan Bennington like the most unlikable NHL player? I can't think of anybody... In like the modern NHL, who I dislike more than him. Yeah, that's 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 fair. It's interesting in these conversations. You know, you have guys come up like Marshand. That's a big one. Mm-hmm. Matt Cook back in the day. But the thing is, there's these guys, these classic guys that are hated by people that don't cheer for the team they're on, but are loved by their fan base. Jordan Bennington does not fall under that. At least no. not anymore. Good lord, what a jackass he is. Yeah, Blues fans don't like him, right? Like that's. I mean, they can't like him. He's terrible. He's under a terrible contract. Maybe they do. Maybe they're more defensive of him than I'm giving credit for. But he is an insanely annoying guy. And it's super annoying because you can't hit the goalie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he just gets to do all that stuff. At least someone can go punch Marshan in the face or slash him or, you know, toss him into the boards or hit him or whatever. You I can't think that do needs anything. to be allowed. Yeah, just specifically for Bennington. For specifically him. Who is – all right, we can end with this, Taylor. Who is just like a random guy from back in the day who you just hate? Um, because I have one who comes to mind. That's a real random one. Is it random if I hate like Daniel Elfordson? No, I don't think so. I mean, it's not that random because it it was. I was going to say Alfredson was a pretty universally uh, hated villain of that era in Buffalo. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if there's someone that falls under this for me. Mine is mine's Glenn Murray. It's a real random one. I hated him as a kid. I really Why? did not like him on those Bruins teams at all. Huh. The guy just bothered the hell out of me. I think maybe it was because his name was Glenn. Yeah, that is a I don't know. Maybe a not a very likable name. Yeah. It's really not. It's really not. Have you ever Interesting. Can, you, can we think of anybody who's like a cool dude named Glenn? Glenn Howerton. Yeah, I don't trust it. 
<laughs> um, <laughs> Any last thoughts, Taylor, before we sign off for the day? Yeah. Uh, the 49ers are winning by so much that they pulled Brock Purdy, who is playing quarterback for them now. Wow. Who do you, who, can you guess who their quarterback is? Oh, who is playing quarterback for him now? Is it, yeah. is it Nick Mullins? Is he hurt or where no, is Nick Mullins doesn't play there anymore. Didn't we see Nick Mullins recently? Did we maybe, I don't know. Who's, in, know who's in at quarterback? Josh Johnson. Yeah, baby. Josh Johnson, the Josh Johnson experience. Let's go. Oh, Nick Mullins plays for the, the Vikings. The but Vikings, anyway, yeah. Okay. Yeah. And he hosts a really nice podcast too. Anyway, uh, go Bills. Uh, Hopefully Saturday is more pleasant than today it was. But, hey, win's a win. I will take it. Four straight 10-win seasons. That's right. There we go. All right, everybody. Well, thank you so much for tuning in to this episode of Straight Up Sabres, presented by the Hockey Podcast Network and the Charging Buffalo, presented by Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're checking out both the presenters of this podcast on their respective websites. Whatever streaming platform you're currently using to listen to this episode, make sure you're checking out all of our fellow podcasts. And make sure you're checking out the presenters of this podcast on social media, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, where you can also find us, Straight Up Sabres, on Twitter, Straight Sabres. And again, wherever you are listening to this podcast right now, make sure you drop us a review. Make sure you're subscribed or following whatever your platform dictates. Last but not least, make sure you're checking out both the sponsors of this podcast. First, DraftKings. Use that promo code THPN at checkout to take advantage of great deals. And last but not least, of course, Thin Man Brewery. Make sure you're heading over to Thin Man this week, whether it's for dinner or just to grab a drink after work or just to hang out and have some fun. Thin Man Brewery is the place to be at either of their locations on Elmwood or Chandler Street. We'll be back with a brand new episode on Thursday, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been Straight Up Savers. Straight up.